0: Welcome everybody to another edition of the second turnbuckle podcast your favorite heavily inconsistently uploaded wrestling podcast where let's be honest two friends use it as an excuse to talk wrestling and coincidentally people might hear it Uh, and for those of you that do we appreciate that Um, this episode was one that has it was planned and then what we were going to talk about changed. It very quickly went from being a lot of all out or all in discussion, uh, which of course is coming up this Sunday um, at Wembley stadium. On top of that, we were finally going to do the ill-fated original all in review and, and talk about that show, which is something that we've really wanted to do. And then on Wednesday, there was the news, the passing at 79 years old of one of the biggest legends in the history of of wrestling, that being, of course, Terry Funk. And that was going to be a tough enough conversation, as it was Crash. And then out of nowhere, yesterday, uh, Thursday, August 24th, um, I remember I... Was sitting here playing uh, games with mutual friends of ours, and um, you just hit me with the all caps text of uh, um, and shared the the screenshot from Twitter that uh, when it, it it's fucking crazy to even still say this like yes genuinely yeah. how the fuck are, like the passing of Wyndham Rotunda Bray Wyatt at. 36 it is like we're not that far removed from a massive shock in the the passing of john huber brody lee luke harper however people knew him as um and i mean you know you're obviously not going to compare but it's just that idea of any time there is the passing of a performer on on the active roster for either WWE or AEW, it's a massive shock, and it is, if I'm not mistaken, I mean the the first passing in 15 years from an active competitor on on the roster, and for it to be again someone at 36, um, it's it's it hasn't fully registered yet it's been on my mind on and off obviously for the past near 24 hours right Uh, where do you even begin i mean
1: the the cynical side of me wants to start off with active roster (laughs) i mean right that there it's weird to think that the 79 year old i have more sadness for and i'll explain in a little bit that like one you never thought would happen and the other one you're kind of at peace with, but it's not how it like would traditionally be, at least for me. Um, Terry Funk, uh, when he passed away, I tweeted the only man I ever experienced in my life that would ever give a big fuck you to death was Terry (sighs) Funk. Yeah. Like this guy was going to live forever. And don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. I know it all. Ha- it's going to happen to everybody. It happens to Terry Funk. Uh, it happened to Terry Funk, but he just he outlived everything. Like how? How? What got Terry Funk in the end? I, I don't actually need to know, but it it just seems bizarre that something actually killed Terry Funk. Whereas 24 hours ago, you get a guy who, not publicly. Well, kind of publicly, because he did have that promo about a year ago when he came back less than a year ago uh saying like, hey, this is me now. I've had demons. I'm I was in a bad place. I need to be here. If I'm not here, I'm somewhere I don't want to be. And it uh, and it, you know, the speculation being uh, suicide or anything like that, it, it turns one of the reports I saw was it was a heart condition
0: um, yeah, so Sean Ross COVID. Sean Ross Sapp of, of Fightful Reporter. Like and that that's the reason why um, the word was put out there by him and confirmed by other reporters is because the family did not want people speculating was this a, a suicide. Right. Um and obviously I I'm not going to blame anybody from going to that thought before the news came out because the word was out there just how impacted he was by the death of, of uh, John Huber Brody Lee. Right. Like that was out there. And again, the family put it out there through Sean Ross app, the tweet I was given permission to reveal that earlier this year, Wyndham Rotunda got COVID that exacerbated a heart issue. Um, now, obviously we have no idea whether or not that heart issue was already known or if it really was discovered through this illness. Uh, there was a lot of positive progress towards a return in his recovery. Unfortunately, today, he suffered a heart attack and passed away. Uh, it was in the last couple of days, really, the, especially to like the last few weeks that the word was out like, oh, he's he's doing better. He's training um, mm-hmm. his, his dad in particular, Mike Rotunda, formerly known as IRS, like put it out there like, yeah, he, he should be back relatively soon. Like, clearly, this was a, a medical incident that caught everybody off guard
1: yeah so i mean uh, when when we you know we with all the with all the uh, happenings over the past little bit and we kind of sat down and like we have to get something out there i was just like i'm not really sad about bray wyatt like i'm 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 not happy but like i don't have that it, that feeling of like something's taken from me or something, you know, uh, as a as a fan because of where he's been over the past little bit. Like there's there's almost a, like a beautiful vibe to it for some stupid reason. And I, I, I I'm i having a difficulty explaining it. Uh, whereas, like I said, with Terry Funk, like that guy probably punch the grim ripper reaper in the face before he <laughs> hit him with a chair before he took him, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's just been a bizarre last couple of days, uh, in the world of wrestling. And it's, it's almost difficult to process, but in the same token, you know, you, you have your moments with it and it's like, just astonishing. And I mean, like our text messages, like you sent me the text, like Roman reigns, better stone cold, Steve Austin to, uh, uh, who was it to Owen at the end of Raw when Owen passed away and they did the tribute show like are we even going to get a tribute show <laughs> are we even going to like the wrestlers will tribute like that is that is yeah that's happen.
0: That, that is all but confirmed um, again I'll mention him because it just popped up on Twitter for me but Sean Ross app literally put out like oh tonight we'll have significant tribute element uh, to win rotunda so I mean yeah it's it's going to be Uh, a tribute episode of, of SmackDown. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see it carry over to the raw side of things.
1: And again, I, I hate to be the cynic, but like, is that because we've had 24 hours to get all the news? Like you'd think of Chris Benoit, (laughs) you got the tribute, uh, episode. And then in hindsight was the last person who should have ever have gotten one. So, uh, And again, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be the jerk. I'm not. It's just it's the thoughts that run through your head in the 24 hours. So um, I'm looking forward to somebody hitting the sister Abigail. I'm looking forward uh, to zero confirmation of a Bo Dallas sighting. I hope he comes out in the Uncle Howdy mask and then reveals that it was him the entire time. I think that would be absolutely fitting. I hate to say it, but I think Bo Dallas could be the hottest thing in wrestling if they play it right and not necessarily like he he would be the guy that people would talk about. He may actually take over an LA night at this point given the news. And it would be something Vince McMahon would do to run something like that, you know, make money off death. So, uh I I'm that again, that's where my head's at is like all the pros and cons and Cynical and beautiful and sad and and all of that
0: it's a it's a weird time, and I don't blame you for being i will say uncertain in regards yeah. to how to properly like vocalize these these thoughts because it is just so it's so weird
1: well, i I'll, only- I'll be honest like when i my friend sent me that text that I sent you, the screenshot. And when I first saw it, and that it came from Triple H, my first thought was, wrestling's never done this before. Released a (laughs) statement saying that a wrestler died, and then he shows up. And, I mean, it fits the character. I couldn't help but run that scenario through my head. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's being confirmed by other sources and everything. But, you know, in a world of wrestling where you're kind of looking for that hot new thing again... What if it would be really a <laughs> really shitty storyline to run? But the return of Bray Wyatt after releasing that he died, I wouldn't put it past WWE.
0: You're not wrong for thinking that. I mean, me personally, like when the news came down, I'm like, all right, that, that's, that's real. I can't yeah. imagine a scenario where they try to do a, a death angle. I mean, I get that you could, especially while Vince is involved. But at the same time, I'm like, there's no there's no way, like, especially to like, hey, last time they ran a death angle, uh, they got burned by it pretty, pretty badly with the whole Vince thing. And then something else happened in June of 07 um, when they were running that storyline. So all in like week
1: all, after too? like Vince died in the limo and then the week after he's just on like a week TV or two. Then?
0: Yeah, yeah, like that. Raw, they were originally going to run a Vince McMahon tribute show. <laughs> Morbidly I, hilarious. Yes. Listen,
1: I I really hate that I'm laughing on this podcast, but I mean, it's you and me. Like when we get together, it doesn't matter what the topic is; we find the humor in it, and you, you know, have to
0: try. I mean, yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Um, otherwise, it's just so fucking depressing.
1: Tell me about Terry Funk, though, because growing up and i've i've mentioned many times on this podcast i never got nwa i never got uh early wcw which terry mm. funk was kind of part of mm-hmm. um even ecw was tough to find until it ended up on tnn mm. so you know the legend of terry funk is very huge in my mind um Honestly, like the first experience seeing him wrestle was probably beyond the mat, which we've Mm. talked about many times on this podcast. And if you haven't seen it, here's another reason why you should, um, and then chainsaw Charlie, which was probably a, can you even call it a low point? Because it got him really back into the, the world of professional wrestling on the highest platform um tell me about your your experiences with terry funk because mine is few and far between
0: yeah i mean my first experiences as a fan it was beyond the mat and it was you know as a super small child like obviously i don't know who the hell terry funk is but you know you you go back and watch like some old raws that were taped and stuff like that it's like it was the chainsaw charlie right uh you know, gimmick with with him and, and Mick Foley feuding with the the New Age Outlaws and getting put in a dumpster and shoved off the stage and just crazy nonsense like that. But, yeah, I wasn't old enough to, you know, to know, like, oh, OK, here's the guy that, a f- you know, a few years before was in e- or a year before was in ECW leading the way as they got on the pay-per-view before that was in WCW having and incredibly famous feud with rick flair in 1989 um that i have gone back and and watched and i mean it's it's rick flair and fucking terry funk like what do you think <laughs> of course it's entertaining and the match was great like um you know and then you go back to his it's funny because a lot of people are like oh like i i read like a yahoo tribute to Terry Funk and they're like famous WWE wrestler and it's like well, yeah. that's how everyone's going to get summed up cuz to re- to most people wrestling is just WWE like i and granted like you know he was at WrestleMania 2 teaming with uh, his brother Dory
1: nice <laughs> but and outside
0: of outside of that and like the the ECW one night stand 06 match with Mick Foley like that's just he, in the grand scheme of things the vast majority of his career was outside WWE and you know like he had a bigger impact in Japan than he ever had um in the I mean he wrestled in Japan for all Japan for almost like on and off 20 years
1: so what popped in my head and and they are apples and oranges don't get me wrong cuz Terry Funk was more hardcore but could you draw the parallel to Will Ospreay until Will Ospreay kind of just showed up on AEW every once in a while cuz i mean you most wrestling fans know the legend of Mm. they get some experience with but like this guy's way more popular overseas or on the independents than he actually is uh or like a zack saber jr or you know uh i'd say though yeah kenny omega before aew
0: I, I would say that's like the closest modern comparison that there is, right? Because t- Terry Funk was, I mean, man, he was he was NWA world champion, <laughs> you know, but it was uh, a long, long time ago, and wrestling was in a drastically uh, different place at the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that's kind of the best comparison that you have now is the, the idea of, particularly New Japan, obviously, with it being the number mm-hmm. one promotion, It is that idea of, okay, here's uh, a Prince Devitt. You hear the legend of the guy, and then he comes over to WWE and is Finn Balor and is now at that different level. But, you know, before he gets to NXT and then subsequently up to the main roster, like, yeah, he had that notoriety of like, this guy is a big deal. And I feel like in a lot of ways, again, it's not a direct one-to-one, but yeah, Terry Funk uh, would have kind of been that where it's like okay like he was nwa world's champion he is a monster in terms of just the his legend in in japan and then it's the idea of like he comes back to like you know wwe it's like he was his time in the in the 80s and wwe was is really really weird to look back on um it's worth noting he was in the awa there too i mean he fucking went everywhere. Um but for the most part, like he was resigned to like tag work in the WWF. And then there was a time where it's like he was gonna get like a big feud with Hogan. I think there was like a series of matches, but they weren't like the high profile SummerSlam type of deals. <laughs>
1: Listen, th- this is where I jump in as the old man. They were on the VHS's that would show up at your <laughs> local rental store that nobody knew the matches actually happened until you saw this thing and the tapes were like four years old by the time you oh. had a chance to rent them or see them. Yeah.
0: Colossi- but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's-
1: Coliseum home video. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just funny, like Terry Funk for me, like in my experience as a wrestling fan, like, obviously like the most I got to see him, like in terms of the current stuff was, yeah, like his, his uh, WWE appearances in like 2006 and such. But for the most part, like he was one of those names where it was like, even along the lines of the, the Dusty Rhodes, uh the Ricky Steamboats. It, it was, those were the, the people that like my parents who are both wrestling fans said, oh, you should look up this guy. Once they realized, like what a what a fan I was, you know, and obviously it's like, I what choice did I have? Like your parents are wrestling fans, you're either gonna love it too, or you're gonna absolutely despise it. And you know, here I am. Um, but yeah, it's just
1: it's a it's amazing for you to list those names too, because it it kind of takes me back to the fact that like Vince doesn't just hand over his title. Mm. You know, you you kind of have to. Uh, Aside from maybe a Ric Flair, but Ric Flair is highly touted as one of the top two. As much as we hate Hulk Hogan, there's two. There's there's five, but there's two. There's Hogan and Flair. And Hogan had the 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 bigger platform, arguably. But the like, as much as you want to, anybody could argue Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, you could argue John Cena. You could argue Sting, you could argue Bret Hart, you could argue Shawn Michaels. Like, there's a list. You could argue The Undertaker. There's two guys. It's Hogan and Flair. And really, Vince never... I'm trying to think of anybody that came over that didn't have to pay their dues in WWE. You know, like... Like, even look at Dusty. Dusty was a legend. And he put him in fucking polka dots. Sure did. (laughs) And he got those over and you talk about Ricky steamboat. He put him in a fucking dragon costume, made him uh <laughs> spit fire. And he was amazing. I mean, this was, this was after Ricky left and like, and I, I make the parallels to like a Cody Rhodes, right? A Cody Rhodes left, became big, came back. And now we're seeing that like, okay, pay your dues again. Kind of thing where, uh, Ricky Steamboat has arguably one of the greatest matches with Randy Macho Man Savage for the Intercontinental Title, Mm. which I haven't seen. Surprisingly, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) you
0: even actually a wrestling fan?
1: No, I just I Uh, do this for you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you know, like there's, there's, it just floors me that like a guy like Terry Funk, who's got the legend that he has, never came over. I would imagine he won a tag team title with with uh, Mick Foley during that run, but never yes. was never was a WWE champion outside of that other than maybe a hardcore if they still had the nope, title at the time. Not even, no, that. Not even his, hardcore only,
0: his only uh, title that he that he won in the WWF was with uh, Cactus Jack and it was uh a one-day title reign. <laughs> <laughs> they won it at WrestleMania 14, and the next night on Raw, they were stripped of the belts because, as I mentioned, it was a, a feud involving dumpsters with the New Age Outlaws, yeah. and they had a dumpster match at WrestleMania 14 in Boston, and the Outlaws got the decision reversed by stating that they weren't put in the proper dumpster in which to lose the match. And then the outlaws beat uh, both Funk and Cactus Jack for the vacant titles in a cage match. That
1: 1998 ninety eight Raw. Everybody wrong, wrong dumpster in a dumpster match.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be a dumpster <laughs> match. It is the dumpster. Yeah,
1: match. the the specific duns, <laughs> dumpster B, not A, <laughs> not C, has to be B. <laughs> yeah, it just it it's amazing to see like the parallels if you look at at today's wrestling versus you know where the legend of terry funk resides uh is you see it with the cody Rhodes. you kind of saw it with an aj styles where he came over with such fanfare and he had to get through uh chris jericho and shane mcmahon before he could get to a roman reigns or the or the heavyweight title so and and i get it too like Chris Jericho, when he came over, he wasn't even wrestling WWE style. He was still wrestling WC. Like it's, it's highly uh, documented that he wasn't a WWE wrestler and it was apparent in his first couple months there that he actually kind of had to reset and, and move forward. Kind of thing. Booker T another legendary example of, yeah, not yet. Pay your dues. And then we got you (laughs) kind of thing. So
0: It's one of those things, right, where he was one of the kind of legends where it's like, Okay, you had had a a stint, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: the vast majority of your career wasn't with what the vast majority of people on Earth will recognize as the number one. Right. You know. Um, obviously like, you know, in, in Mexico, like CMLL is number one and the Japan it's changed, but you get the point, like the vast majority of people, you talk wrestling, it's the Yahoo headline, WWE. Yep. And for him to, and I mean, Jesus Christ, like Terry Funk wrestled for what? 52 years. Right. Like he was the NWA champion in 1975 and had his last match, I believe in 2017. <laughs> He was he was elected to the Observer Hall of Fame in 1996. Jesus. And still wrestled. He had a fucking match where he hit Mick Foley with a flaming barbed wire two by four (laughs) ten years after that Observer Hall of Fame induction.
1: Listen, if you if you want to understand the mentality of a of a 70s, 80s, 90s wrestler, go watch The Wrestler. Because as much as that's not Terry Funk, that sounds like Terry Funk. Mm. It's Rick Flair, but it's you know it sounds like <laughs> Terry Funk,
0: anyways. And I mean, you know, as a as a fan of '80s uh, movies as well, I mean Terry Funk was an over the top, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling. I mean, come on, man! Come uh, just,
1: on! Just an absolute side tangent. I have not seen MacGruber, but on <laughs> okay. on TikTok the the scene with him and Chris Jericho and what uh, led to the montage afterwards was gotcha. absolutely legendary as a wrestling fan. Like I I had no idea that that was actually in that movie. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, there's a cornucopia of WWE stars that get recruited, like getting the team the band back together, uh, MacGruber and and Chris Jericho. I'm not going to spoil because. There's some amazing... Um, it's
0: amazing he would be willing to do that, knowing that the internet is what it is. What do you mean? Oh,
1: like the last one? or
0: Yeah. Uh, are we thinking of the same movie? Because there was another movie. Oh, you know what? I think we're thinking of different movies, because there was another... Chris Jericho oh yeah you know what I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the Jalen the J and Silent Bob reboot movie oh in which uh, Chris Jericho plays a uh, grand wizard of the clan
1: (laughs) 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 it's not funny really it's not but it is (laughs) Uh, he's got range let's just say Chris Jericho's got range he does,
0: and you, you gotta can't find wait ways. To, to I laugh. can't wait
1: for like him to get into an epic feud on AEW, and you're like, you're not taking on Chris Jericho, you're taking <sighs> on the <Grand laughs> Mister to the Client, Chris Jericho. <laughs> Maybe that's what will show
0: up at All In to uh, oh, take hey. on Will Osprey this Sunday. Maybe. Do you?
1: Uh, do you want? Do you want to keep reminiscing? Or I do, Chris?
0: and then we'll we'll talk a little bit of All In, I think, at the end to try and end on a high note. Um, there, because because we was... kind of. Go ahead. Sorry,
1: keep going. Keep going. Go ahead. So, you know, we
0: kind of talked about Terry Funk and the career there, but we didn't deep dive into the Bray Wyatt, right? Character, and you know, for me, like the first introduction to Wyndham Rotunda as a performer is the Nexus, The,
1: the one of the greatest wrestling names
0: ever, Husky Harris,
1: Husky Harris. Husky yeah. Harris because, the... because because he was he was bigger he was he wasn't he was not a thin man so husky husky the, Why? Uh, and then the... that that had Curtis Axel in it too didn't it
0: so oh god the what a time for the nexus by the way the the nickname though of what the the tank with the ferrari engine husky Harris <laughs> is just incredible um
1: oh yes yeah oh, no that was a perfect description of bray
0: Uh, you know funny enough kind of yeah um yeah so he it was were they yeah they were they yeah he was there as like an original nexus member so if i'm not mistaken because there was there was the no he wasn't that's right he was the new nexus that's what it was because yeah the original nexus um Was, you know, the the group that came in and, and tore apart the ring. Right. And then a couple months later, I think it was in like October of 2010, you end up getting Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy into the group. Right. And then before the end of 2010, you have CM Punk as the leader of that group all the way up until Money in the Bank. Like basically leading into that show, CM Punk was still like when he cuts the the pipe bomb promo, he's in a Nexus shirt.
1: Mm, no he's not are you sure he's wearing a stone-cold steve Austin. he's wearing the next week when he got to follow up on the pipe bomb which wasn't as crucial yeah. uh he did have it, but i remember vividly him wearing a stone-cold steve yeah, Austin right he shirt was wearing a he thing. was wearing
0: a stone-cold shirt yeah. But yeah you're right at the time he had um he had he had the shirt that was um like his freaking hand with the X holding a lightning bolt. And that had the X's net, the Nexus, the, yes. yep. the Nexus N on yep. the, the shirt sleeve, um, the black and yellow. Yeah. And at that oh, yeah. time, like Husky, Husky Harris did nothing, man. No. Like he, no. he, he just didn't, he was just kind of there. He was in a spot and then leading up to Orton and punk at mania 27, Orton attacked numerous members of the ne- of the Nexus, including punting Husky Harris in the head. And then you don't see him on WWE TV for almost three years unless you were a super nerd like I was and still am. Because on Daily Motion, people would post the full 30, 40 minute episode, uh, long episodes Of FCW TV, Florida Championship Wrestling. So I don't know if those still exist, by the way, but you were able to see, obviously, it was, you know, the NXT of its time, just much, much lower budget, but you were able to see all of these guys. And the reasons reason why I was so intrigued in it was Seth Rollins was there having signed up from uh, Ring of Honor. Was was Uh, he
1: as Seth Rollins down there or was he still Tyler Black?
0: Uh, He was, I think, still Seth Rollins.
1: Okay, because I know that a couple of the other guys you're going to mention have obviously since switched names.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you had the the Dean Ambrose's of the world that were down there, and he had a little mini feud with William Regal and stuff like that. And you had Husky Harris teaming with uh, with his brother. Bo Dallas, who wasn't Bo Dallas at the time. I think he was wrestling under Taylor Rotunda, but still. Um, And again, was just kind of, you know, he was a part of the show, but he wasn't somebody that necessarily stood out as like, here's the guy. Like, it's like, okay, he's one of their homegrown guys. But again, Seth Rollins is there. Dean Ambrose is there. Cesaro is there. It's just, what what is this guy going to be? And then, right as FCW is changing to NXT, um, in the summer of 2012, you get the first Bray Wyatt promos. Funny enough, with Eli Cottonwood as his original uh, kind of heavy at the time. Eli Cottonwood, who was a part of the NXT um, show you know not like NXT, NXT, but he was a part of the NXT show. I'm searching um, this guy
1: up because I remember the name, but I don't remember the face.
0: He uh, he was the one that cut a promo about a mustache for like three minutes. Um,
1: <laughs> okay, That's the yeah, most yeah.
0: notable thing about it, and that he was tall as hell.
1: He's um, like if you put Braun Strowman in the wash on hot.
0: <laughs> he's <laughs> like if. You you remember uh, Batman and Robin when they unplug Bane and he just kind (laughs) of shrinks?
1: (laughs) I I love the references that pop up on this show. Nobody ever uses Batman and Robin as a reference. I love
0: it. (sighs) Well, it was fitting on this occasion.
1: Um, He he was paired up with uh, Johnny Nitro. And they had mustache t-shirts. That's what mm-hmm. I'm seeing right now. I I've got no video proof, but I see a picture. Anyways, continue.
0: It was a great time. Um and then, you know, he gets hurt not too long after the initial kind of debut and while he's on the mend, they introduce Harper and Rowan as you know, his his followers essentially and what right. became the Wyatt family really starts to take off. And then summer of 2014, they debut on the main roster. And I remember being like, I, <laughs> I was working overnight uh, stocking shelves at a supermarket that what was like, uh, eight, yeah, 24, eight, 20 years old, 20 years old. Um, And I remember it was like the Wyatts are going to debut tonight. So I was late to work that night. <laughs> because I stayed, I stayed watching Raw for as long as possible until they you finally showed Monday up Monday
1: Night Raw. I love it. I,
0: I did. I did. I was still there. I was still there, and I had to make up some bullshit excuse. Um, but it was so fucking exciting to see them on the main roster. Like I was a fan of Brody Lee because I had watched a lot of Ring of Honor and Chikara up to that point, so I was well familiar with him. And then just what they were able to do in NXT, the momentum that they built up. And then it wasn't too long <laughs> after that you really started to see the Vince McMahon meddling. Mm-hmm. And there will be debates forever about this character. And especially now, in the wake of uh, when the Mortunda's passing, like you will see people say the good stuff was all him, the bad stuff was all Vince. We don't know for sure. Um, But right out of the gates, they had a fucking ring of fire match. Wyatt versus Kane at SummerSlam 2013. That just stank the joint. (laughs) It was such a disappointing debut. Before before you you get
1: into like, how tainted the character got and you know, I'm sure it's gonna lead to the path that we've we used to joke about.
0: <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah.
1: Um anybody who wants a little bit of frame of reference of where kind of the Bray Wyatt character is, there there's two. There's um Waylon Mercy, mm-hmm. which was uh was it Dan Nick Spivey? Spivey? Dan Spivey. Uh coming over from WCW had I liked that character just because it was very like creepy, but it hmm. wasn't supernatural. It wasn't it just the guy made you feel uneasy, which a heel absolutely should. Like to me, that was a very um, methodical heel, which I I liked, and he never really had a lot of success with WWE. But that character was based off a movie that came out of the '90s called Cape Fear, uh, Robert mm-hmm. De Niro. So. Um I don't know how much, you know, Bray took from it or WWE said, "Hey, this was a character that didn't really work. Do you want to try it again?" But the 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 seeds are there. Like you could see that those two characters heavily influenced. Or at least if it didn't, uh I'd be very shocked that it just kind of grew into that, but like Bray in the beginning was that guy like He was, he was creepy how smart he was. Like Hmm. his intellect as a character was on point to, it almost made you think he was right. (laughs) Like everything that he talked about, his intellect in his promos and how he spoke great wrestler, but it was the promos that really got Bray Wyatt over. And then uh, correct me if I'm wrong, even just sitting in the rocking chair probably because of that injury while uh, Ronan Harper uh, were wrestling. Nobody did that. That was like the manager would be or, you know, you'd get the you'd get the wheelchair or you'd get the manager in the neck brace. No, Mm -hmm. he just brought out a rocking chair and sat there and just laughed at all the all the menacing actions that were happening in the ring. Like it just made you feel uneasy, which again, like as a heel a heel shouldn't be the guy who cheats all the time it should be the guy who makes you kind of squirm a little bit and then main roster and i'll I'll let you continue the the path you are going on because i know exactly where it's gonna go
0: well it is the story of just how up and down his run was on the main roster for this company for and man this this just hit but Nine years. Like that's, that's shocking he, too. That's to all he got. It was nine years. That's is all that, he got. Is
1: that from like the NXT like the NXT?
0: No, that would just be from the Wyatt family debut in 2013. Gotcha. Fair. Yeah. Um so again, he has that weird match with Kane at SummerSlam. It's a bit meh. Stop gap with Kofi Kingston, but then goes And the Wyatt family feuds with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan for Survivor Series 2013, which was held in Boston. One of the worst pay-per-views ever that I had the ability and the joy of attending uh, with the main event, by the way, of Randy Orton and the big show.
1: Hey, at Um, least you got plural pay-per-views that you could attend in your kind of hometown ish. Yeah,
0: but that led towards his first real breakout story. With Daniel Wyatt, the feud, the feud with Daniel Bryan, that was uh, terrible.
1: Keep going. You're
0: not a huge fan of, but that is like the first, in terms of what he did on the main roster, that has to be the first big feud that people remember.
1: Yeah, it it definitely put him on the map, as opposed to like he wasn't a mid card guy anymore. He could hang with the big guys. I just I've got a bad taste in my mouth with daniel bryan joining in the jumpsuit and like
0: <laughs> looking like through, a garbage man
1: right like through like you had the yes movement it was not it was just before yes movement if i remember correctly too wasn't it
0: no it was It was after it was no after? No, no 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 yeah you're right because this was uh this was the lead up to wrestlemania 30 because after this daniel bryan feud uh, it spurns into him having the match with John Cena at WrestleMania 30, which, of course, that same night you had Daniel Bryan uh, winning the right. undisputed title. So, so.
1: like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it like it it didn't really hit. I get that you might have thought that's one of the great things about having two different vantage points. But it I ridden-
0: mean, I, I didn't think it was the greatest thing of all time, but I can Whoa, look no. back on it now fondly, and I would have said the same thing two days ago, as I'm saying now, in yeah. regards to it.
1: But the point I'm trying to get at is, it's amazing that it didn't hit as well as probably they thought it would, but it right. really put both guys... Uh, it benefited both by... It was talked about. Uh, I'll put it that way. It was probably one of the most talked about feuds of that year heading into uh, the yes movement and and WrestleMania and all that stuff. So I just, uh, like I said, I've got, and like Daniel Bryan was only part of the group for like two or three weeks. Like, like as soon as he got in, you knew he was getting out again. Like it just, it didn't really fit. Like they even tried it with Randy Orton down the road and you just saw that, it, it just wasn't going to be something long-term. It was just the, the stopgap in the story.
0: I mentioned the idea of uh, Bray Wyatt moving on to the the John Cena feud, but before that, we got the first real taste of the Wyatt family against the Shield at Elimination Chamber 2014. Matches in that year that people will continue to look back at incredibly fucking fondly just for the impact that those two stables uh, have had on the wrestling landscape in the past decade and how that's going to continue to reverberate
1: that uh, that's the closest thing we had to rock stone cold like how they just went back and forth and elevated each other and got um, each other now I mean the shield did a lot better with what they were given than the wide family but Bray benefited you could say that you know the the bash what are they what were they called at the end of their WWE run the the oh. tag team
0: oh god i don't even oh was the, the uh, it wasn't the bash Bludgeon, was it the Bludgeon brothers the Bludgeon brothers there you <laughs> go you know they they had some really
1: good success in the tag seems tag team scene and john huber ended up winning the ic title which was short-lived mm-hmm. uh that need that needed to be a longer run mm. um but like those two teams brought the best in each other, brought the best out in each other, and uh and there was uh, some absolute benefit that happened down the road.
0: And this kind of brings us into, like I said, the ebbs and the flows of the, the Bray Wyatt character because it's like, okay, he debuts, it's kind of meh. You get the Brian stuff, which a lot of people remember fondly, and then the Shield stuff. And then you get to WrestleMania 30 and he loses to John Cena and ultimately loses the feud, right? Like, he yeah. loses at Mania, gets his win back at Extreme Rules with the demonic child singing he's got the whole world in his hands, uh, and then at Payback 2014, Cena wins the feud, two out of three, and it kind of like, oh, but he, he got the rub from having a three-match feud with Cena, but it's like, he could have won, though, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that's how I think a lot of people felt about Bray Wyatt, was the idea of they built him up and then didn't necessarily give him the big win when it would have mattered because through the rest of 2014, he wins a feud with Chris Jericho that I got to be honest. I don't remember much about. Uh, they had a match at SummerSlam in 2014, I guess. I don't remember it at all. And then that brings him into hell in a cell in the fall of 2014. This is where his Fucking no, this wasn't the hologram, but this was he attacked mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose. Like, there was like the monitor that blew up in his face or some shit, and then Bray Wyatt attacked him and helped Rollins win. And Helen was just really, really weird. And the feud yeah. with Ambrose was weird because it's two characters that you felt were limited by the creative team. Where if instead you just let those two, if you let fucking Wyndham Rotunda, <laughs> you let the Bray Wyatt and John Moxley characters just go? Yeah, my God, where can you end up? But they just right, felt. Did you,
1: say, did you say Shinsuke Nakamura? Did you say AJ Styles? Did you say?
0: <sighs> this yeah. is
1: this is where, and again on my tweet, I said that you know the machine got in the way. Like you're a hundred percent right. Like those guys, uh, as we get to see with John Moxley now. Uh, this is the guy that stone cold asked for on the podcast that John Moxley uh, Dean Ambrose wasn't sure he was allowed to be in WWE so he was a bit hesitant. Anyways, I digress. Continue.
0: It leads to the match with Undertaker at WrestleMania 31 which he fucking loses.
1: That that could have been as much as I agree with the idea of a should have been Edge a couple of years earlier, about five years earlier. This should have been the match. This would have been an absolute rocket ship, a deserved rocket ship
0: for Bray Wyatt. Then you get further emphasis on the Wyatt family in a feud with Roman Reigns in 2014, 2015. So you know how the fuck that's going to go. Uh, it would have been 2015 at this point. You do get the introduction of Braun Strowman as a new addition to the family. Can,
1: can we just mention again, because I think we talked about it, when he unveiled his mask, he looked like like a baby was on somebody's shoulders in a trench coat. <laughs> he did, too. <laughs> With a fake beard. Like, Braun Strowman, that was the first thing I thought was, Jesus, is this kid, like, 18 on, like... <laughs> Growth hormones, or like he just looked so weird, it was again unsettling. So he fit right in.
0: Survivor Series 2015, they lose to uh, it's Wyatt and Harper losing to Kane and Undertaker. So I don't know if he ever got that win back against Undertaker. Um, and then that leads into the next year, WrestleMania 32. The Wyatts have the interaction with The Rock. That leads to The Rock beating Rowan in six seconds.
1: I saw this clip and The Rock goes down and like, it's just like, Hey Rock, you're going to go promo. Oh yeah, I got this. I got this goes down. He's wearing like a a hoodie or like he's, he's dressed like The Rock. He's selling the merch. He's got the, the, the athletic pants on or whatever. And then the white family comes down and Rock goes, we can have a match right now. and strips down. He's got his Mm -hmm. gear. (laughs) It's like The Rock goes everywhere ready to have a match it's amazing
0: and then again you kind of get bray treading water like they did some stuff with the wyatt family against the new day in 2016 then there was the draft where they left Strowman on raw which was the best thing that ever happened to braun Strowman. that allowed him to kind of get rebuilt up as a as a singles act and then that spurns into the randy orton Wyatt family story which does ultimately lead to Bray Wyatt winning the WWE championship for the very first time at Elimination Chamber in 2017 but then you get to Wrestlemania 33 and it's the match where Orton has the fucking semen snake down the entrance ramp and all the fucking bugs and shit are projected onto the mat During the match. And it's like, and then Orton wins. And it's like every goddamn time they built up Bray Wyatt to be interesting. They never like went the full tilt with it. Even him winning the title. He was a one, two month transitional champion.
1: His uh, even the match, if I remember correctly, at um, Elimination Chamber. Like, he wasn't the favorite going in. No. He was the sentimental favorite, but, like, who are the competitors? Do you have that handy?
0: I do. This was the 2017 Elimination Chamber uh, for the SmackDown brand that had Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, AJ Styles, and the champion John Cena.
1: So, yeah, that should have been an AJ Styles, John Cena highlight, right? Like, I think those that's where guys, most
0: people thought it was going, for sure. Right.
1: So, and we've talked about this, like, doing the things that people don't expect, but the payoff, it was the... I don't know if this is the definition of the win at the right time, but it was that win that was, like, a long time coming, and it was great that it happened in that match. But it wasn't really kind of hinted or... You know, the only reason it happened was because he was in the match. But I do remember watching that and him winning and being like, holy shit, he finally did it. Like, this was a good moment. This was, as you've pointed out, when good moments happen, the bottom falls out on uh, on uh, on Bray. So like, this was a good moment. You could almost count down how many days the next thing was going to fall on him.
0: And boy, didn't it? Because then you get to the summer of 2017 and he starts a feud with Seth Rollins, but that really kind of spurns into him feuding with Finn Balor. And this is not 2019 Toronto SummerSlam The Fiend debut. Uh, This is 2017 SummerSlam, this feud with Finn Balor. And it fucking sucked. This was when Finn Balor had like the pumpkin makeup and then they're like here sister abigail's gonna debut and it's bray wearing like a fucking veil Mm -hmm. and talking with the voice alteration and just again people are gonna look at this where the fault lies for that who the fuck knows but it was just a constant thing as a fan of his is like you could see him at his fucking best and then they'd always find a way to fuck it up and bring him down to these lows of nonsensical promos and yeah but just tubes. this meandering nonsense and it's like man this, what a waste of potential with this guy
1: i'm, I'm going to take you back to junior high and high school when you used to have the group projects and you'd have like uh, somebody in your group let's say it's a group of 3 right you'd have the one guy in your group and they're like on the same wavelength and everything that you guys propose is the right thing and you know creatively how to do it and everything but that third guy goes yeah, but what if we colored the sun purple? <laughs> mm-hmm. What if what if the dinosaur is uh, wearing a top hat and a monocle? Like that's Vince. The other two are uh. Triple H and and the the amazing group in NXT and who built this character to be somebody we actually gave a shit about, even though he creeped us the fuck out. And then Vince gets in there. Oh, what if what if uh, maggots show up on the screen and uh, it's uh, supernatural? Uh, like. That's good shit. You know, like mm-hmm. th- that's, that's the scenario. And no, I'm not privy to the meetings. I wasn't a part of creative, but it has been proven time and time again that a character that Triple H has come up with uh, either survives because it isn't overly changed and, you know, progresses into something else. Seth Rollins is a, as a perfect example of that. or. They absolutely interject stupidity. And you could look at, like, um, I'm trying to think, the uh, the guy who had the Congo line. I think Adam Rose Adam or Rose. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was one of those guys who creeped you out in NXT. And then he shows up and he's the party animal in WWE. Like, the interjection of Vince uh, has been a terrible thing for anybody who has been in NXT and tried to make the, the main roster and make a go of it. Granted, he has changed some things like the shield. Roman Reigns is an example of didn't really, like, I remember Roman Reigns on NXT. he was just like a Samoan in, in short shorts, uh, in the trunks.
0: Big and dude. They tried to have him as like a, like an all-star, like smug athlete type of thing. And it's yeah. Just, yeah.
1: yeah. So uh, you know, you got to give Vince credit where credit is due, but Bray Wyatt, the whole run of Bray Wyatt on the main roster is, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but what if we did this? And it's that last little interjection that really just would fuck things up for Bray Wyatt. Like, hey, I know you're going to probably get to it, but hey, what if it's a Mountain Dude <laughs> pitch dark match? Mm-hmm. Get money off that.
0: Anyways. Well, you know, and I mentioned the Finn Balor deal that led directly into his feuding with Matt Hardy, which led to the ultimate deletion match between the two of them. I
1: love that pairing, by the way, that was and then a- led
0: to the pairing, the tag team. Yes. Yeah.
1: And even like the interjections with Jeff Hardy, because he wasn't really with Matt at the time. And, you know, just like the the nods to the Hardy boys and and back to Bray Wyatt and everything. There was something there. There was really was something I wished flourished.
0: It was fun. Yeah. And it feels like they made the best of it.
1: But that's also when, sorry, that's when we also got meat, meat butcher (laughs) Bray Wyatt, right?
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: I think that's the first time I actually saw him wrestle live, too, was it was a house show. It was when uh, Little Crash was really starting to get into wrestling and the first show Uh, we went to Bray Wyatt came out and he had the the meat cleaver. I think it was actually um, I think it was actually Matt Hardy uh, broken Matt Hardy because he finally was able to do the broken character again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that was the first time probably actually maybe even the only time I got to see Bray Wyatt wrestle.
0: Around that time after the Hardy team came to a close, he was off of TV Bray Wyatt for quite a while until April of 2019 when the Firefly Funhouse debuted and that entire build-up was just kind of fascinating to watch and then you get the debut of the character at SummerSlam 2019 against Finn Balor and it was that feeling again of like the magic has been like has re, has been recaptured. Like they struck gold. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he had that feeling since he debuted on the main roster when the Wyatt family first showed up. You know, there were peaks with the title win and stuff like that. And like I said, some some feuds, some matches. But then there was a lot of down. But then you get this version of Bray Wyatt as the fiend, and people are just like, "Oh my god!" Like here, here we go. And that feeling did not last very long.
1: Well, even um, sorry, the Firefly Fun Funhouse when it first popped up, yeah, it was was trash. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was the curlin White of Bray Wyatt. But the payoff at the end to get the fiend out of. 3 months of firefly firefly funhouse mm. um absolutely worth it I'll, that was the issue was it say. went on
0: for 4 months
1: yeah it went on way too long and in the beginning it was just it was it felt like how do you whitewash Bray Wyatt here it is <laughs> he's now fred rogers with creepy Base. puppets um yeah. but yeah it uh it was and for it to continue afterwards was very interesting as well, but I'll I'll let you kind of continue down the road.
0: Well, again, like you have such a high of here's the fiend character, and I remember watching that pay per view, and it was just like everyone else, man. I'm like, holy shit, this is the the coolest motherfucker in wrestling.
1: Didn't he and come again, out with his doesn't, his he doesn't, his like lamp? Was his cussed like his head? Yeah, with the mouth yeah. open, and the light uh-huh. was creepy as fuck. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> fucking cool, <laughs> and. They f- they fucking ruined it in record time, man. That's the only yeah. way to put it. There is one paragraph for from the SummerSlam debut to the end of October. And this sums up like just how the fuck like again, Bray Wyatt, the character will have a legacy that is celebrated for years and years to come. That was mm-hmm. going to be the case regardless. It is certainly going to be the case now in his untimely passing. Again, as we talk about this, it 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 hits me every once in a while like, holy shit, he's not here anymore. And it fucking yep. blows. It does. And at the same time, like for as much of an impact as that character made, it's like, it could have been better.
1: Oh, and that's what's
0: frustrating about it. Because he has that return match with Finn Balor. He starts attacking legends. Over the next few weeks. That's how he ended up taking the mandible claw for McFoley. And then he starts a feud with Seth Rollins at uh, Clash of Champions the next month in September. That leads to the infamous I'm red light, red cage, hell in a cell match that ends in a fucking ref stoppage, won numerous worst match of the year awards. The fucking finish was booed, for God's yeah. sakes. Deservedly. Deservedly, yeah. And then at the end of October, he beats Seth Rollins in Saudi Arabia to win the title.
1: Mm-hmm. Within oh, no. two months
0: of coming back.
1: Oh, I know. I know where... There's a, there's a landmark on this ride of history that I just... I'm cringing that we're going to get to.
0: He defeats... Daniel Bryan at Survivor Series after debuting his custom title belt which polarizing to say Mm -hmm. the least he has a match with Miz beats Bryan again at the Rumble in a strap match and then in February
1: this is where I'm starting to cringe
0: (laughs) loses the title and look, I'm a fan of this guy. holy fuck. Really... He loses the title to Bill fucking Goldberg.
1: CM Punk has one of the greatest lines of who should be in the main event at WrestleMania. And it's the guy who carried the company for the year. It yeah. be, It should not be who could make the most money. You should be rewarded with the main event at WrestleMania if you carried the company. And they've done this so many times and twice with Bill Goldberg, because Kevin Owens name pops in my head that they go into a match where the hottest thing in the company loses the title in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania.
0: Similar to, I mean, an example that comes to mind for me. Uh, WrestleMania 33, the Outdoors one in uh, Orlando. It should have been Kevin Owens and, and Chris Jericho for the world title and instead they put the belt on the Brock Goldberg match and then Owens and Jericho had a match for the US title.
1: Yeah, yeah. And CM Punk, CM Punk said it because he lost the title to Dwayne and he ultimately got the, the match with The Undertaker which is a, nearly a main event match. At WrestleMania. But CM Punk carried the company for the year and dropped the title to the guy who showed up Mm -hmm. that month. (laughs) I'm not I'm not hating on the rock. Just there's some matches that don't need titles and there's other matches that can be absolutely elevating. And they fucked a lot of those up heading into WrestleMania season.
0: It does lead to Wyatt and Cena. At WrestleMania in the Firefly Funhouse match, though. One of the most polarizing matches, if you even can call it that, in the history of wrestling.
1: I I didn't like it. I was not a fan.
0: I enjoyed it a lot. So there you go.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It was kind of cool to see John Cena in an NWO t-shirt,
0: though. Yes, it was. (laughs) I loved how how meta it was and they took advantage of the fact that oh shit here's COVID and let's be honest like at that point another Wyatt Cena traditional wrestling match for me wouldn't have been as impactful
1: that's fair that is absolutely fair I just the other cinematic matches that we've seen was the best they could do with what they had to call this a match is almost degrading almost insulting it was entertaining in the sense that like i said you got to see what would cena look like in the 80s what would cena look like in the 90s they brought back the blue steel cages Hmm. for this um nwo t-shirt like there were some really cool visuals but it really ended with like one punch thrown or the mandible claw when I'm hmm. even struggling to remember what the finish was, but it was, it was no a vignette than the match. Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what? I actually kind of, uh, two days ago, no interest. Today, I might actually go back and, and watch that one just for, hmm. it, it kind of did show the genius of Bray Wyatt if he had any type of input into it. Mm-hmm. I just, I've always struggled with considering it a match. That's fair.
0: It leads to him feuding with Braun Strowman, who won the title at Pandemic Mania. Um, they have a fucking swamp fight. He wins the title back at SummerSlam.
1: There's at, there's seeds planted for Alexa Bliss in, in the swamp yes. fight as
0: well. Yes, yes. Um, he wins the title from Strowman at SummerSlam, but after they're attacked by Roman Reigns, leading to the next pay-per-view Roman beats Braun Strowman. Uh, Wyatt is there too. Uh, The Fiend's there. It's a triple threat match. Roman Reigns wins the title. He still has it to this day and you mentioned the Alexa Bliss stuff Uh, but before that we get another Fiend or another Wyatt Orton feud that leads to Orton setting the Fiend on fire.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I cringe again because I just thought of Something that's coming down the road. (sighs) And this leads... Just before, before you get there. Mm -hmm. The triple threat match between Braun, Fiend, and Roman Reigns, if I remember correctly, too. This was... I remember this one being garbage because they did... This was the start of Heel Roman. This was the start of Paul Heyman guy, Roman. That... Nobody knew whether he they knew that he had the contract to be in the match, but they didn't know until he showed up at the end of the match that he was actually in the match. They started the match without one of the competitors, Hmm. if I remember correctly. And then Roman Reigns comes out at the end and takes the title, basically, like very much Brock Lesnar, Hell in the Cell or not Hell in the Cell. Sorry, uh, Money in the Bank. Yeah, like you started if he signed the contract. He should have been in the ring when the match started. Otherwise, like I don't know, the logic, the logic, Toogie, mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to bring up on this podcast.
0: So as we get the Orton Fiend feud and the Fiend being friendly with the Alexa Bliss, yada yada, it all leads to WrestleMania 37, the opener that sees Randy Orton against the Fiend. In a very straightforward match, really, that also includes Alexa Bliss rising from a box (laughs) and can only use the word spurting black goo from her Mm -hmm. head, distracting the fiend, allowing Randy Orton to win.
1: Yes. If I remember, okay, so I interrupted with the lighting the fiend on fire. He did have that melted
0: look, melted look, yeah.
1: Heading in, and then at WrestleMania, there was was like a. a, It was (laughs) it was pre recorded. Uh, He magically uh, become unmelted, became unmelted, and uh, was back to regular self in one of the worst transitions in almost anything I've ever like we've had terrible transitions on this podcast yes this 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 was worse (laughs) but if i remember correctly too that match was short like it was like a seven to eight minute match where it should have gotten maybe like 15 to 20
0: it was uh, five minutes and 50 seconds
1: so six minutes. I said seven the next
0: match of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler against Natalia and Tamina, 1420.
1: <laughs> I don't understand it. I don't get it.
0: Not to disrespect those women. I'm mean, nope. but at the same time. How
1: dare you use a woman's match? What are you against women wrestling, Toogie?
0: <laughs> In that particular instance, for how yeah. they've booked those women's tag titles since they debuted them. Them getting almost three times as long as the fucking Fiend character that just yeah. eight months ago was the most overact in the company. Maybe not eight months ago. It was a little bit longer than that. But you get the point. Like, fuck's yeah. sake. Um, th- trust me, there are other matches from that card that I can use as a goddamn example. example. <laughs> um, Freaking Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon in a cage match. The night before got 11 and a half. I rest my case. Yeah. Thank you. Also, uh, Apollo Crews and Big E got six and a half or almost seven minutes. So there you go. Put some respect on the Intercontinental title. All of this to say, um, this sucked. Yeah. Like, it just, it like, there's no sugarcoating how people reacted to this at the time. I think that won worst match of the year in the Observer that year. And rightfully so. Like it was it was around this time that he became the first person to win both the best gimmick award and the worst gimmick award. Yeah. From the observer.
1: I I'm not to put it on Alexa Bliss, but once Alexa Bliss got heavily involved as like getting infected by the fiend or whatever supernatural entity or whatever That's kind of where things. Because Bray Wyatt, the fiend, became. Well, I just had a a perfect example. He almost became the Luchasaurus to Christian. Mm. Like, Christian's character right now is the focus of the TNT title. It's not Luchasaurus, who's actually the champion. Right. The focus. I love that fucking story, by the way. It's good. It's so good. (laughs) But (laughs) Alexa Bliss became the focus. And The Fiend was just kind of the silent person behind. So it really yeah. kind of devalued what The Fiend was right. as far as like an in-ring competitor. Like The Feud was started ended up being Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton. But you're never going to get that match in WWE. So you got The Fiend and Randy Orton. To use another example, The Fiend
0: was Bane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So after all this Orton stuff, the Alexa Bliss stuff, Bray Wyatt disappears and Wyndham Rotunda is released from the company on July 31st, 2021. And at that point, you start to wonder, like, what the hell's next? Because his run is so fucking weird. And I always revert to, like, The Observer as this talking point, not to say it's the end all be all. But he wins the best gimmick award as voted on by the readers of the site in 2013 for being a part of the Wyatt family. Mm -hmm. He then wins worst gimmick in 2017 as Sister Abigail, which is incredible. (laughs) He's voted in the worst feud of the year in 2017 for his feud with Randy Orton that ends on the spooky bug match, which Mm -hmm. was also voted the worst match of the year. Um, 20, uh, it should be noted as well. Actually, 2014, he was voted as having the worst match of the year. But John Cena, that cage match at Extreme Rules with the, the spooky child singing. Uh, but for the most part, like the highs were high. And then you get to 2019. He's voted as getting the best gimmick for The Fiend. Mm-hmm. But he also is voted on having the worst feud of the year with Seth Rollins. And the worst match of the year for that Hell in a Cell match, too. And then 2020, he's voted as having the worst gimmick as The Fiend. And the worst match of the year with Braun Strowman for the Swamp match. And the worst feud of the year with Braun Strowman. Like, it's just one of those things where... Like I said, almost at the start of every new turn to the gimmick, he had that incredible ability to get people hyped up for what the hell is he going to do next and WWE never knew how to right. properly capitalize on that and that brings me to his most recent and ultimately I fucking hate saying this but his final run um it's worth noting by the way like literally he has a criticism of booking section on his wikipedia <laughs> and that can't be overlooked like that's a part of his legacy is just how fucking up and down the storytelling what this character was but when it was at its best holy fuck and we talk about the cult leader we talk about the fiend it perhaps was never at its best like it was less than a fucking year ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: fuck but the white rabbit story and the build up to that you were very much as much as anybody Mr. Andrews wrapped up in that you went to a raw in Calgary
1: no it was Edmonton it was up in Edmonton Edmonton.
0: excuse me and just I remember you sharing the cell phone footage of when the song played and people there were going fucking nuts just for a song playing all of the QR codes all the clues all the yeah like um, amazing
1: the the only comparison i can make is sting in the rafters didn't do anything yeah. just showed up face painted went up in the rafters had his you know like 30 second cameo on nitro and he was the hottest thing in wrestling mm-hmm. for a year year and a half right yeah like he was more over than the nwo when the nwo was at its peak Like, I vividly remember freaking out when Edmonton was referenced. Because, like, every reference was like, oh, he's going to be there. He's going to debut. And then the lights go out. People lose their mind. The song starts playing. Everybody's got their cell phone lights on. I record it. And I send it to you, send it to Deke, send it to everybody. I'm like... This just happened, and it was one of the most amazing feelings in a live, um, like any live event I've ever been to, White Rabbit playing. There was just something about it, and it is stupid, because you're exactly right. They turned the the lights off. It was in a commercial break. Mm -hmm. I don't think they ever played White Rabbit on TV. I don't think it was ever brought up on TV. There were references. There was a guy in a rabbit mask. They showed QR codes all over the place, but they never played the song on TV. It was always during a commercial break uh, in the arena. Hmm. And it was just like one of those moments of like suspended disbelief that you're at a WWE event and a guy at that time of that Raw... It, it started to become apparent it was going to be Bray Wyatt. There, there was always rumors it could have been carrying a cross. It could have been this, could have been that. At that point, it was going to be Bray Wyatt. You kind of hoped he came out, but it was kind of cool to have been there for that. As simplistic and stupid as they turned off the lights, played a song, came back from commercial, didn't reference it again.
0: It all leads to extreme rules. On October 8th, 2022, he does return. Um, and, you know, you get all like the characters in the crowd from the Firefly Funhouse and all of that stuff. And he walks back through the door to one of the biggest pops in company history. And everyone wonders, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. And the answer was Uncle Howdy. <laughs> We will never know exactly how this story would have wrapped up, but at the same time, (laughs) what we did see, again, didn't, at least to me, live up to the full potential of this character that was created.
1: It was a long burnout.
0: We had the running joke on this podcast of Hasbray Wyatt had a match. Yeah. And I don't believe he did up no, until it was, the pitch black yeah. match of WrestleMania.
1: There were some house or show matches. There were some yeah. house show matches, but uh, yeah, no Royal Rumble. Yeah, he debuted at uh, Extreme Rules and yeah, Royal Rumble. So it does
0: not wrestle for four months, four and a half
1: backstage segments being a And I referenced it earlier, like being able to come out and just for lack of a better term, er air his grievances and air his not grievances, but like, Hey guys, like the fact that you were behind me and you wondered what was happening there. Like, was this, that was always the thing with Bray Wyatt too. Like no matter what he did, was it him? Was it the company? Was it, storyline they gave him a mic to speak as uh windham rotunda and then uncle howdy came out at the end so it it, it always felt like no matter what he did some and we've said it before like the bottom was going to fall out of it like just to give him that opportunity to to talk it was very cool but still did not feel right in the whole scheme of things and i think it was because it was like. It was it wasn't the night after he debuted or th- I don't think it was the first one after he debuted. I think it was still like a couple weeks after. So.
0: You get the pitch black match after all that time of waiting, and that was a very polarizing match. I thought it was dreadful, to be fair. I'm not going to sit mm-hmm. here and sugarcoat my opinion now. Um, And it. Ultimately, it was going to lead towards him probably having a match with Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania, which never happened um, around that time. He disappeared from TV with what was only then kind of known as an illness. Um, and now we can be pretty certain after the reporting that it was a very serious bout with COVID. That it looked like he was going to be able to. Return from. And ultimately, as we know now, uh, will not. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about all of this and his run on the main roster because, for better or for worse, you can't call it boring. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> the best way to sum it up. Could you, like, could
1: you say it was entertaining? in the sense like you weren't always entertained but you were you knew it was going to bounce back and then when it did you knew it was going to just fail like it, you've never i've never seen a character go through so many ups and downs and recover and continue yeah. and fail and recover and continue like it was it was an absolute uh infinite circle for him
0: it's just crazy because that performer at his best that character at his best was essentially must watch like a Mm -hmm. captivating character again we talk about the debuts his debut as the cult leader his debut as the fiend his debut um after the end of the white rabbit teases must watch and especially after that white rabbit one like the, the evidence is there in tv ratings and stuff like that like he caught the attention. He had everyone's attention in terms of what the hell are they doing with this guy? And then again, just so many times it doesn't feel like they knew what to do with him afterwards or how to keep that momentum going. So I look back at that character as an example of incredibly wasted potential. Mm hmm. Despite the fact that he hit great heights, he could have hit even greater heights. And maybe we were due for that coming up. Like they did have that moment earlier this year uh, on Raw's 30th anniversary celebration where the Undertaker kind of had that moment with him in the ring, uh, which now is even more fucking depressing. Um Just that idea of like, have you, I don't, I put him in that kind of pantheon of characters of the Undertakers, the Canes, where it's like these characters somehow survived, Mm -hmm. despite at times creative for that character, seemingly doing whatever it could to kill those characters. You think of some of the shit they put the Undertaker's character through, Kane's character especially, Bray Wyatt, I mean, in a, in a like Jesus Christ, like you know, he, he never had one of his rivals visit a funeral home uh, like Kane did, <laughs> but in a PG sense, like they did everything they fucking could to make that character as lame as hell, and just why would you like? But the the performer in Wyndham yeah. Rotunda was so fucking talented that you couldn't help that every time there was a reinvention you couldn't help but be on board with it to see what the hell was going to happen.
1: It almost it almost felt like, you know, the blockbuster Hollywood star saying, I did the really shitty Judge Dredd so that I could get the, the thing that I really was passionate about. And not to crap on Judge Dredd, I've just never seen it. But it was like, you know, like, th- there's so many examples in Hollywood of, okay, we'll let you do your little indie sappy film, but you got to go and do... Inspector Gadget or <laughs> you know like the really crappy blockbuster popcorn movie, you know, and then, then in the end the the actor gets their what they want, that kind of felt like what Bray Wyatt ended up going through, and to your to what you were saying about how like they didn't know what to do with him, his return at extreme rules he could have just walked out, but they decided to bring the characters back, who had nothing to do with anything going forward they built one of the cheesiest high school musical doors huh. so that they could have a light shine out of it that he could walk out of he just needed to walk out like the machine got in the way of a lot of things like as much as it was it was cool to see him return i don't have fond memories of the return because it just was michael cole hey are we still on the air guys guys are we still on the air or Daniel Cormier and, and Riddle with their hands in the air and the lights go out and they're not even reacting. I think (laughs) Riddle kind of had a little bit of a reaction to it, but like they completely no sold it. Like there's just so much about that, that encompassed like the parallels of his entire career. Like it just, they almost got in the way of him being an absolute phenomenal talent for he was a great talent that the creative just got in the way.
0: You know, and obviously we talk about the character here. There is the the human on the other side of this right. where, you know, you've seen the tweets of his, his colleagues and everything like that. And then obviously, um, I believe on WWE shop, they've. Uh, change like all the proceeds off of his merch are going to go to uh his family which obviously it's well known like he was engaged uh to uh jojo who was uh briefly a wrestler a ring announcer obviously with, with wwe um and he had four young children as well and that's like we can sit here we can have fun talking about the character and then you again, you think about the real human aspect of it. That's just it, that's what really just fucking rips your fucking heart out of your chest. Um, It's it's just a passing that hasn't set in. How how can it I mean, I can I can recall, you know, for me as a kid, you know, the the feeling of like, oh, like I was like 11 when Eddie Guerrero died and you, you log on to the Internet and see Eddie Guerrero passes away and just how shocking that was. And it is still kind of that. Stunned feeling of just you're you're almost numb at this point like we we've gotten out of the era of wrestler deaths on a consistent basis right thankfully yep. um i mean for the love of god there's a there's a wikipedia article of premature wrestler deaths, and obviously it w- was due to I mean granted they have everything listed on there but it's like there was a time uh, between like 2002 and 2015 where it was just it was brutal Um, you know whether it be the I mean god there's t- 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 too many fucking people to name and it's gotten to the point now where it's like you know every once in a while something comes up and it's it's rough Um, but then this year has been brutal like you have the the passings of of the Terry Funk's of the world at at an older age but it's like man we're we're 7 months removed from Jay Briscoe's passing right you know this past January then you have this and it's just like what an awful fucking year in that way um it's just crazy man it's crazy yeah. and it sucks because Like, on so many fucking levels, but, you know, this week, especially for wrestling fans, at least ones that aren't entrenched in tribalism, this was supposed to be a very fucking fun week. You know, all in on Sunday, shaping up to be one of the biggest shows of all time. We know the crowd in the UK is going to be fucking insane. And then you get passings like this on a a back-to-back basis that's just it, it it just takes the air out of the room and it's like it, for me personally i'm like you know I, I know again it's it's out of anybody affected by the situation it's like oh now i just don't feel like watching wrestling as much and i'm bummed out like there are people who are obviously much closer to this that are yeah. really fucking feeling the hurt today and obviously like your, your heart goes out to them but it just goes to show the reach uh that someone with his platform had you know, that idea of like, you know, people get into the whole topic of like parasocial relationships. Like I'm not sitting here in a, in a fucking state of mourning. Right. But I am incredibly fucking bummed out at the loss of an incredibly talented person, a future husband, a father. Like it's just, it's a fucking bummer.
1: I, uh, about half an hour ago, I, I asked you if you wanted to, to continue on the, the memory lane. Cause another story that we didn't touch on that, um i mean edge and his last what is presumably his last wwe match and the speculation heading into all in would another topic that could have should have gotten time but obviously when you when you do a podcast you sit here and you say okay what what trumps what what is the what's the most important thing in a loss of life um as much as in past episodes you know, we we try and give as much time. The iron cheek passing away, and uh, trying to think of some of the other guys who just recently passed. Draws. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've really only given given, and I'm using quotation fingers, but a segment. Um, yeah, these were these were two very large, impactful, and as I said before, like both have their share of what the fuck. Like <laughs> as much as. As much as uh a funk was in his uh in his sunset, you know, uh, you never you never expected it.
0: No, so. It was like him and Iron Sheik were in that same category of just like yeah. these motherfuckers just aren't gonna give up. Like you no. just know they're not going to. <laughs> like how could it happen? And then yeah, you know, kind of you know, I was thinking about how you were trying to, to vocalize things at the start, and it is just that idea of like it's like the, the the shock of Wyndham Rotunda's passing is so heavy that it's just like uh, the the sadness almost doesn't hit until you process it. Yeah. And I think it's very tough for people to still process this. Like, it's still just the shock of, again, someone at 36 years old. Um, Fucking crazy. And yeah, like I said, too, like the the layout for this show changed quite a bit. You know, again, like the the featured topics would have been, hey, what do you think Edge's future is going to be? Hey, All In is this Sunday. Let's take a look back at the other one. And I won't lie. Part of me still wants to to talk about All In from five years ago and what we're expected to see this Sunday.
1: Which is now available on Blu-ray and DVD at AEWshop.com.
0: I'm intrigued to see if anything gets cut. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> what an interesting choice of words as well
0: <laughs> yeah
1: anything yet circumcised from the footage is that what you're trying to get at
0: you know i mean there there's some excess yes from <laughs> all in that could go that hasn't aged very well um i don't know where where do you want to go from here do we leave the show as it is or do we uh, yeah, we talked about think, all in. How are you on time? What do you want to? No,
1: you know what? I I think if we jump into anything else at this point, it it, I think I'm I'm good with where this is, if that makes <laughs> sense. Like, if we start getting into all in, it's going to be half an hour. If we start getting into edge, it's going to be half an hour. We <laughs> can't give those less time. Um, yeah. Even sitting here scrolling through my cornucopia i use that word again of uh, bobby heenan quotes i think i found one but it's a stretch to to kind of correlate with with what we've just uh talked about for the last hour and a half so i think with all due respect to edge to aew to everything else that happened and will happen and will be awesome i think uh i think i'm to leave it here is is a good
0: spot. So we will be back soon, at least is what I'm going to throw out there right now, uh, <laughs> especially to talk about to talk about all in again on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the <laughs> the one show that continues to elude us all in 2018. One of these days, we will uh, get to talk about that. Hopefully soon.
1: I'm sure we're going to um, have something to talk about SmackDown and Raw this week as well
0: yeah that that's another aspect to it is you know i i can't remember the last time i watched a a smackdown but it's certainly i mean tonight is at the very least like i i don't even know like i don't know if i'm in the mindset of like i want to watch it live um yeah i didn't watch most of the Brody lee tribute show live either i watched it afterwards Um, And just kind of Twitter browse through it because it was just like how like it's that fucking surreal feeling of Mm. how the fuck is this real?
1: It's amazing what happens when real life interjects with professional wrestling sports entertainment.
0: Right. It almost makes it worse. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like if a fucking like if something happens to a more traditional professional athlete, we'll say a baseball player, a hockey player. It's like, you know, they are them. Yeah. Like, yes, like, uh, you know, certain players can feel like fucking superheroes. But at the end of the day, like, they're not in a profession that is an athletic theater performance. Yeah,
1: no, you're 100% right. Like, the, the person where... that we get to know is not the person
0: that they actually are. You get these people presented in a larger than life element. Mm-hmm. And then, when, and even if they're an, an Eddie Guerrero and they are a more toned, down, like Eddie Guerrero, like what was his greatest, like the most character he ever was, was just going after China. And it's like, well, that's still not Latino disassociated <laughs> from reality. Whereas how the fuck do you explain bray wyatt's characters yeah to somebody who doesn't get wrestling without being like oh god i have to explain this but then eddie guerrero just being like oh he's got the hots for the big woman with muscles <laughs> like <laughs> like you know it's like hey there's a kink for everybody like that's you know you can explain that to fucking uncle tim but how the hell are you going to explain well bray wyatt is like a it's like a zombie kind of he was burned to death but then he came back and then his lady friend spouted goo from her head and then he disappeared again and really likes Jefferson Airplane yeah and there's something to do with the rabbit but there's no actual rabbit it's a metaphor yeah and then his brother is in a mask but we're not supposed to know or acknowledge that it's his brother at least not yet and then there was the time he was in a rocking chair and corrupted a child to have a deep voice to <laughs> sing the John Cena, you know, fucking uh, from keep the going. TV keep shows yeah, and Fast and the Furious. Uh, you know, that John Cena who was in the Fred movie 15 years ago, that John Cena. So that's kind of weird. Um, and then he had like a segment with The Rock where The Rock ripped off a track suit, and knew he was going <laughs> to wrestle after walking to the ring with a flamethrower to light the letters of his name on fire.
1: This is this is a legacy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then he had a match with someone named Kane. This was an Inferno match, but it right. wasn't. It was a Ring of Fire match, but Kane used to have Inferno matches with his brother who allegedly burned down the home of their parents because Kane and the Undertaker... How do you explain that but how saying you, like
1: how do you not <laughs> reference at that point that Randy Orton burned down Sister Abigail's house
0: <laughs> which allegedly was Bray Wyatt in a fucking wig with a veil
1: Oh man We have See what here. I mean
0: here everybody?
1: We have fun here. We do. Um, I'm glad we got to tears of of joy at the end of this um, Don't
0: uh, my my biggest thing to say to people at this stage is like don't feel the need to have to only talk about the Bray Wyatt character as if it was nothing but positives. Yeah. Don't don't even try.
1: I think that's that's part of the emotion is we should have gotten more and not necessarily down the road, but with what we had as well. Like the the clichés Just be happy that you got to experience it. Yeah, we we needed more of what we experienced. And that's not even like, you know, um, Owen Hart, we needed more. Boy, did we ever get a a shit ton with what we had? We wanted more down the road here. It's a good balance of both. So
0: it's a very, very surreal time as a wrestling fan. But like I said, we will be back soon uh to give our thoughts on the next couple of days worth of wrestling smackdown raw i uh, all in at wembley stadium um there's been some interesting aspects of the build but the card itself i do think looks pretty fucking good i'm intrigued by it i think it'll be a really good show um but obviously right now stadium st- st- st-
1: st- sorry stadium stampede on fight forever yet just got it.
0: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't gotten to play that no. yet. I was going to play it yesterday, and then the news broke, and I'm just like, okay, wrestling's just
1: sorry, a sorry, right
0: sorry now. That. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, it's just like I said. That's what it is, though, right now, right? Is the idea of like, there's so much cool shit going on in wrestling, but then every once in a while, you kind of get slapped in the face by reality, really, yeah. and just things that can fucking happen to people that you just don't expect it to happen to, and then even if it happens to someone. 79 years old, like Terry Funk, it still Mm -hmm. fucking blows. Um, So there's no good way for us to wrap up this show. I I think you guys know, like, I mean, we're just kind of talking through stuff here and sharing thoughts because I think that's what everyone's trying to do right now and trying to make sense and process uh, what has been a rough two days as, as wrestling fans. Um, I will say you can follow crash on Twitter at crash underscore Andrews.
1: Fuck i refuse, Elon. To, I
0: refuse <laughs> to call it by the other name i will start calling <laughs> it the Twitter. other name when yeah. he lets you get rid of the underscore there you go i like it that's the way uh and of course i am everywhere at g 24 t-o-u-g-i-e 24 um i do have a quote though good I, I was hoping you would let's end this on uh i imagine the wise words of one bobby heenan
1: imagine imagine that we did get 40 years of bray Wyatt. But the quote that I found that it was as close as I could find, and I'm sure Bray Wyatt, given the opportunity, would let us know the exact same thing, which is thank you for 40 years in this industry because I loved it. Good night, everybody.